You Betcha She Did is sponsored by John Erline Photography. Ladies, have you arrived? You betcha you have. But you know your LinkedIn headshot? It might need a little love. Don't worry. John Erline Photo has you covered. John will coach you on the perfect expression that will help create a connection with your professional network. And to be honest, that's what we want, right? Connection and opportunities. When people respect you, they treat you differently. So schedule a new kind of headshot experience with John Erline Photo. Booking is easy and fast. You can schedule your session today at www.johnerlinephoto, that's J-O-N-E-R-L-I-E-N, photo.com. Your image is worth it. Hello, hello, and welcome to You Betcha She Did, the podcast where female entrepreneurs and women who have paved the way share their wit and wisdom. I'm your host, Raina Rokicki. Today, I have a fantastic guest and a blast from the past. It is a former student of mine when I taught at an international school in Myanmar a while back, let's say more than 10 years ago. Uh, this student now young woman entrepreneur is Michiko Sue. Not only did Michiko travel to the United States to do her undergraduate, her graduate, and is working on her PhD, but she also started her own business. Can you imagine doing a PhD and launching a business? Holy smokes. This girl is ambitious. She is ready to go and we're ready to hear all about it. So I graduated from International School of Myanmar back in 2010, and I came to U.S. to like a really small school called Juniata College. I finished my undergrad in 2014. Then I moved on for my master's at Hopkins from 2015 to 2017. And then I worked three years in gene sequencing, and now I'm doing my PhD in Drexel University for biomedical engineering. Oh, wow. You're doing tons of stuff. I wasn't even aware of that. I knew you were running your own business, but I didn't know you were pursuing a PhD as well in in some pretty intense field. Well, congratulations. Thank you. I like gene sequencing. Uh, so my research is based on Alzheimer's genome sequencing. Well, let's start off with like the company name. Uh, so my company name is called Sushi Awase. Um, in Japanese, Shiawase means happiness. So when you like pair it together with sushi, it means that you're eating sushi with happiness. So it's a represent the joy that you're uh, eating something you really, really like. So while I was studying for my master at Hopkins for my biotechnology, I was working as a medical interpreter at the same time. So I get to meet with a lot of Burmese refugees and like a lot of resettlers, I would say. Yeah, just to interrupt you for a second, you're in the... Philly area, right? In Philadelphia? Yes, I, I okay. moved to Philly because my PhD now is in Drexel. So I moved where my universities go. I would yeah, say. that makes sense. And um, so there's a pretty large Burmese population there or just some? Some in Philly, more, I think much more in Baltimore, Ellicott City area. But there's there's some in Philly too. Um, and I think much more in Bethlehem, like out, an hour outside of Philly. 
So it, it's just that like all those Burmese people are like around me, but um, like I get to meet with a lot of domestic violence Burmese women, and then like I get to meet with like a lot of people who are struggling because they have language barriers, and um, all they could do is for for the Burmese woman, I would say, is cooking because all their entire life they've been just like housewife, and then they wanted to get out of this toxic relationship. And the very important thing is financial freedom for them. So, so I started this previous company before, which I left, and this is Sushi Awasi is like a new company for me. But basically, what I do is in the company we do workshops, so the Burmese people they can learn the food business. If they wanted to do restaurants, food cart, or food truck, they could learn the business by going into workshops, or they could learn the sushi business as an employee. Or later, if they wanted to become a franchise owner, they could take on the accounts and become a franchise owner too. Cool. I like how there's all those different avenues, like you were saying, for women especially to start their own business. Whether, like you said, they're going to do a food truck, they can do these workshops. They want to have a franchise. They just want to learn how to make sushi. How do you run your workshops, or how often do you do them? Is there like a set schedule? Yeah. So it will be more like a once a month. When I talk about food car, food truck, it seems like it's different. Like restaurant, it seems all different, but it's food industry, so everything is actually the same. If you get like your LLC, the EIN, and like tax papers right, and the most important thing is CERFSAFE, which is like a food safety certificate. If you get all those, you can like change into any direction that you want if you have a commercial kitchen in place. Okay, that that makes sense. Yeah, it's all on the same path. It just depends how you, what you want to do with it later on. So, how do you let like? Well, I was looking at your website and it talked about how it was created by an immigrant, you, to help other immigrants. And how do they find out about you know what you offer your opportunities? Right now, it's more like a word of mouth. Um, I needed to get more cl- like more client accounts in order to, for me to hire more employee. But for now, I just like tell them in the Burmese community, like we have some opportunities in certain locations because I wanted to hire the locals. For example, um, so Sushi Awasi company is a contract between universities and hospitals and we do stations or we do have a commercial kitchen and deliver to that location. So let's say if it is in Maryland, in Baltimore, and some universities need the sushi, I wanted to hire a local immigrants there rather than my Philly team to go and like station there. Okay, yeah, that makes sense. That's kind of neat that you have that option of, like you said, if a, a hospital or a different area wants to have access to sushi, they can reach out to you and then you can help them get set up, hire you know, local immigrants or local people to get them started on their entrepreneurial journey. True, because I am currently in Philly. And if I needed like somewhere in New York City, I don't know what New York City people want stuff or their sushi, like what their new trend is, what the local ingredients are, where the local produce that we should get, because we wanted everything local and it's more like a homey feeling, even it's like eating a sushi. So I think it's better to get around with the local communities. Yeah, definitely. I feel like it's always better to have that local impact. So (laughs) I guess my next question is, how did you find time while in graduate school and now pursuing a doctorate to start and run your own company? That kind of blows my mind. I was like, how is that even possible? (laughs) 
I really hope my PhD coworkers didn't listen to this because it's a fact that my team、uh, from my PhD team they are very flexible. They have this. I think I, I got into a great lab. I would say because they have these set stuff that I needed to do. I mostly work with bacteria and biofilms for Alzheimer's disease, so it needs to grow at certain time. But it doesn't have to be daytime. So I would like sometimes like do marketings in the mornings, and I would go in the evening for the lab, and then it usually works out. So I think it's been fine still now. But I don't know. And it, COVID actually helps a little bit in a way that some of the meetings become online. I don't have to be in person all the time. So,、uh, but that that's the I would say that's the only reason.、Um, if if my pH level is so demanding, it would be bad. Yeah, you wouldn't be able to find that balance that you are now. And then I do have a great team in my sushi part too, because like I don't know how to roll a sushi, and my team they just take over and they they did it perfectly well.、Um, I just needed to be there for managing、um, like some like for the receipts and like buying stuff and marketing. So with your team for、um, your company, how? Do you have a partner in the business, or how many people do you work with? So, he is a sushi chef. So he mainly like to come out with the receive recipe innovations and actually manage the operation part of it. But he's super shy, so he doesn't really go out in like talks like this. But he's one, and then I have six other team members that's like running the business. But they all are more to like serve safe training, and the five other people are. Day to day managing the sushi. Okay, and you're kind of the that makes sense. The public face of the business. What do you hope to do with your business? You know, thinking down the road five years from now, what would be your goal? So、um, right now, I am getting contracts in Philadelphia, New Jersey, and Baltimore. So I solely wanted to go into Mid Atlantic to East Coast at least. The difference between my franchise and other sushi franchises out there are: I let them, I let my franchisee buy any fish that they want. Since you are not from food industry, and it's a little bit hard to like explain.、Uh, but what I'm trying to say is,、um, my competitor companies, I would say, they will have their franchisee, but they ask their franchise owners to buy products and ingredients from them. So the the salmon, I would say, the raw salmon would charge like. Ten or twelve dollars per pound, but if you just buy from local market, it will be only like six or seven dollars per pound. So you're just charging doubled to your franchisee, and then also you're getting the percentage from the the dining company. So that's that doesn't make sense for the people. So I didn't do that. I just like they could able to buy anything that they want for the ingredient, but we do quality checks so that they are not faking anything. However.、Um, It's better for them in a way that for the franchise immigrants people, I would say that it, their costs reduce a lot. Yeah, that makes sense. You'd want to reduce that overhead cost as much as possible so that your you know your franchise can be successful. Do you have any advice for anyone who would be starting out a business? Like, what have you learned along the way where you're like, "Oh, I wish I would have known that earlier on." I, I wish I I have gone into business from the very beginning and not 
<laughs> not pursue into bio pre med. Um, but I, I think it's it's good both ways. I if I have known or like in a business world earlier on, even back in my college, then I would have started my networking from then. I would have learned accounting and bookkeeping much better. Network is very important in my industry. So, oh, I bet, I bet. Like for example, you know the contracts you have in the other cities. How how did that come about? Like just people connections through other connections or just like cold calls out? Like how did those people find you? So, so many ways that I have done. Uh, I've done cold calls, but cold calls are very, very hard. They won't respond back to you because for me, I have to deal with the dining managers. They are super busy. Their free times are usually at like 5 a.m. or 6 a.m. because they went to work at like 4.35 a.m. They will be there and then they have to prepare for the breakfast, lunch, especially if they're dealing with a hospital signing people, then they have this very strict schedule and they go back home and they won't look at the emails. The subject line, whenever they receive an email from me, it would say like sushi company or potential collaborators or things like that. And they look at it and they were like, oh, we already have a sushi. We don't need this. And then they just like passed. So for my line of work, it is much better if someone referred me to them. So Usually I just like go show up uh, in person. I also like there are some events that we do for networking. And I'm also collaborating with the Asian American Chamber of Commerce of Greater Philadelphia group. And I think those groups, I have to show up and make them present so that they would refer me to the right person. It's yeah, I think that's the only cold call sometimes work, but it's very hard to get response back to. Definitely. Yeah, I agree with you. I feel like networking is is key, like showing up in person and making those connections. And it takes a lot of time and work, but it, it does pay off in the end. And then they really know you and get to trust you. True. But like some accounts, if you really, really like, um, when I said some accounts, like some like very big university that you wanted them to notice you, one or two times, like showing them is not enough because they already have like a great sushi. So it's it's really hard. So like you just keep showing up, not nagging, but like you like stock like very persistent. I, I just like look the LinkedIn really hard, sending messages to LinkedIn. See if I know this person from, I mean, I'm from Burma. So it's really hard for me to like get connected because I didn't have been there with a high school or some people, some people got it very easy. They, oh, I know them since college. But you asked me one question that I didn't answer. Um, about how if our advice or something. Yeah, exactly. You know, just things you wish you would have known earlier on. And you talked about taking more business classes, which more knowledge in terms of bookkeeping and accounting, which I feel like every entrepreneur needs. I mean, now that I'm on my entrepreneur journey too, I was like, darn, I wish I knew more about that. <laughs> so you kind of have to learn as you go. Yeah, I, I think both ways are good. I mean, I Actually, been into accounting 101, I believe, back in undergrad. They didn't teach about QuickBook or mention about QuickBook. Maybe at back, to, back then, the QuickBook is not as famous. But if I've known about QuickBook, some tax write-offs and things like that, it would have been very easy. Yes, that would have been helpful. Very helpful, <laughs> yes. If you'd like to hear more about Michiko's story and learn more about her new business especially if you're a lover of sushi, please check our show notes. In the show notes, I'll have links to all the important information about her. 
On a different note, I'd like to send out a quick apology. My microphone sound on the last several episodes has been really funky and I couldn't figure out what was going on. Then I problem solved it. My children, bless their little hearts, have played with my microphone and changed the settings. And I didn't think to check that. (laughs) I tried everything else. Uh, But now I think I've got my voice to the point where I want it to be. So this is what happens when um, when you're a podcaster starting out. Lots of problems to solve, but it always keeps it real. It keeps it fun. So thanks for bearing with me while I've been solving that. If you love what you're hearing, and you betcha she did, don't forget to share the show with a friend, subscribe to the show, or even think about leaving us a five-star review. The more positive reviews we get, the easier it is for listeners to find this show. And if you want to leave a written review on Apple Podcasts, not only would I love that and it warm my heart, but I'll give you a shout out on a future episode. Um, you betcha she did. We'll be taking a break for the summer because that's what happens when you're a mom entrepreneur with children. But we will be back in mid-September with a whole slew of fantastic women entrepreneurs and leaders to share and cheer on and inspire you. In the meantime, have a great summer. Reach out. The email is youbetchashedid at gmail.com. Until next time. You Betcha She Did is brought to you by the Ladies First Digital Media Company, helping female entrepreneurs launch and manage podcasts and YouTube channels. Find out more at their website, www.ladiesfirstdigitalmedia.com.